Conversion therapy is the topic of the day, and we're gonna look at a video done by YouTuber Anthony Padilla as he spends a day with, quote unquote, conversion therapy survivors. We'll see what all the fuss is about and see if the claims about conversion therapy actually can hold up to scrutiny or if this video is just yet another modern attempt to mainstream radical gender ideology. Spoiler, it's the latter. So conversion therapy was criminalized in Canada along with free speech and the right to defend yourself and basically everything else. You can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That's not a right that you have. So what is the truth about conversion therapy? We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, this video is sponsored by our friends over at Element Funding. If you have any mortgage needs whatsoever, please go check them out. You can find a link down in the description of this podcast, or you'll find it on the screen right now. Look over to kevinblairteam.com where our friends over at Element Home Loans can help you get situated in a brand new home. So guys, we are just a short 100 subscribers away from 1,000 subscribers, which means we can then monetize our channel. So please, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe and then share this video with others and encourage them to subscribe. When we monetize the channel, hopefully, if we don't get shadow banned, of course, we'll be able to make some money on the channel, which will then allow us to create better content moving forward, get great guests moving forward to supply you with some amazing content. So please help us reach that, that goal. We're very, very close. And then also want to make sure that you know that one of the reasons you should subscribe and click that bell beside the subscription button to be notified when new episodes drop so that you can salivate on command when we bring out new content. But one of the reasons for that is that every week, in the month of June, we're gonna be releasing some content that tackles an LGBTQ issues. It's Pride Month after all, and we're celebrating that here by looking at some of these LGBTQ issues that we've been told uh, to believe, and we're, we're gonna just think about them for ourselves. So each week we'll do at least one video where we do that, and I think you'll really get a lot out of that, um, and it will help you think about uh, these issues and maybe keep you informed about things that you weren't aware of before. But then also want to let you know that you can sign up for our newsletter. And that is a way for you to take your indie thinking journey, your free thinking journey beyond the show where we dig in a little bit more in detail to some of the stories we cover on the show. But then also it gives you the opportunity to hear some things that maybe I don't have time to go into on the show and offers at least as much as I can, um, meaningful feedback and thought about things that are going on in our world. So I really do think that you, it'll be beneficial to you uh, to become a subscriber. So if you wanna take your next step with us, make sure to go to our website, indiethinker.org, where you can sign up for the newsletter. And then wanna make sure that you know, big news. In July, on July 14th, 6.30 p.m., right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we're gonna be doing our, our second ever live show. Last year it was amazing, this year it's gonna be even better. We'll have free food, we'll have a great guest, we'll have conversation, and then after it all, you will be able to participate in live Q&A with our guest. So I don't want to reveal who that is and what we're going to be talking about that night just yet, but suffice to say, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great way to exercise your mind and become informed about some things that I think will really be beneficial to you. So make sure you are subscribed so that you'll be the first to hear that information uh, about where it's going to be 
and what our topic is going to be for the night. I think you'll you'll really enjoy being there if you can be there. And then, of course, you want to subscribe in case you're not there so that you can be notified when the episode from that night becomes available for you to either listen to and, and to watch. Now, I want to set up the show today because you may not be familiar with Anthony Padilla this way. Uh, maybe you're familiar with the Coexist bumper sticker. You know, it's it's got Coexist spelled out with the different religious symbols of the major religions of the world, and then some not so much. But needless to say, uh, I, I hate that bumper sticker, and here's why. Because it's either redundant or it's really misleading and dishonest. So we'll start with redundant. So the implication could be that we need to coexist all together on the planet Earth, and uh, we need to be in harmony with each other regardless of our religious differences. Now, obviously that's true, but the problem with that is that, like, well, we are. We are in harmony with our religious differences right now as we speak. By and large, we live at peace with each other on the planet even though we have different religions. But I can't help but wonder if actually what's underneath that sticker is this implication, this implied statement that all the major religions of the world basically believe the same thing, so you might as well just get along with each other. Now, that couldn't be further from the truth. Sure, Christianity and Buddhism, they share some superficial agreement in superficial areas, but when you get down to the fundamental issues about what these religions actually believe, sin, the, the, the existence of God and who God is, what is, what is mankind, who are you, who am I, and, 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 and all of these things, the creation of the world, all of these things, there are fundamental disagreements and differences in these religions. So it's important to distinguish between them. And so if you are suggesting with that bumper sticker that basically they're all the same, so just get over it, then, then, the, then it's just simply a lie. And so this is what we're going to be after today as we dig into our video with Anthony Padilla. So Anthony Padilla is a YouTuber with over a million followers and does videos of all different kinds where he spends the day with one person. Like I said, that spans the gamut of a bunch of different things. Uh, in fact, he just recently did one where he spent the day with a person that you can see here. What's the problem? Yeah, and what so, are you doing when you're out there? Um, so we're running around. We do kind of play as wolves. Like on all fours? Uh, at oh times, God. yes. Sometimes <laughs> Is this embarrassing? Good, making... Do you see why that clip went... It went kind of viral. Yeah. Do you see why that clip went viral? Because it's a little cringy. <laughs> it's a little bizarre. But also, so many people were like, holy that is actually extremely impressive. I've improved over the years. Do you want to show us how different it is now? <laughs> nice. Yes, yeah, so the issue there, the reason people found that cringy was not that the, the, uh, the wolf yell there was not really honed to perfection yet. Um, and but, but good news, uh, Naya there has been practicing, so... Uh, apparently their, their wolf skills are on point. Uh, no, the reason that was cringy is because Padilla doesn't seem to want to venture into the unforsaken and uncharted territory of actually suggesting to Naya that it might not be the best thing in the world to pretend that you're a wolf. Uh, you know, God forbid that we ever dispel the delusions of people who are operating in falsities. And, and that's where conversion therapy and this video that he does on conversion therapy comes into play because the LGBTQ community, progressives and the left and many others today 
simply rely upon lies and slander and irrationality to prove their points because they are so fully reliant upon an idea. And whether they know it or not, they, they use this idea often. And it is the idea of postmodernism or that truth is subjective. Now, postmodernism, to be sure, is a spiritually and mentally bankrupt philosophy that endorses moral relativism and rejects all forms of hierarchy. Yeah, even the good ones. So you ever heard of an organization that maybe wants to undermine the nuclear family? Well, that could be because postmodern neo-Marxists are behind it. Most dangerously, postmodernism is an abandonment of reason as an operating principle to help us derive at the truth. So whenever you hear, and I know you've heard it, people say, my truth, it's a dead giveaway that they are operating under postmodernism and that they understand the truth to be only as important as their feelings. So this is why I felt it necessary to address this video, which is supposedly about conversion therapy, but offers very inaccurate info and provides no doctors, no specialists of any kind on the subject to help us truly understand what conversion therapy is. Those things didn't stop Anthony Padilla from garnering a million views with this video that was supposedly about conversion therapy and racking up, by the way, almost 100,000 likes and many comments. Here's one of the comments that I found really interesting in the comment section. It says, quote, Christianity should not be an excuse to do evil. Well, that's interesting because even though conversion therapy and Christianity aren't the same things, maybe this comment actually tips us off about what's going on in this video, is that it conflates things. And and by the way, it does draw a line of distinction. Christianity is about rooting its beliefs in something higher and bigger than your own feelings or, in this point, sexual preferences. So let's just take a look at some of the moments from this episode of Anthony Padilla's podcast and we'll see if we can identify any of the thinking that undergirds all that we see in it and whether that thinking is actually helpful or harmful. All right, so here we go. Conversion therapy or reparative therapy is a practice that uses any attempt to alter a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. In 1899, a German psychiatrist claimed that he had turned a gay man straight with just 45 hypnosis sessions and a couple trips to a brothel. In a continued attempt to correct what was believed to be unwanted or sinful behavior, some people faced electroconvulsive therapy while others were subjected to even more extreme techniques such as lobotomy of the brain is any attempt to try to alter someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. You see that? Any attempt. So it's like any attempt whatsoever. Well, this is how he can get away with saying, presently, 700,000 adults have gone through some version of conversion therapy. Today, some 700,000 adults in the U.S. alone have received conversion therapy, half of which were subjected to these practices from religious or spiritual advisors and even licensed healthcare professionals before reaching the age of 18. Which is just not true, because what they're trying to do, or what Padilla is trying to do, is to be overly broad in his definition about what conversion therapy actually is. And he even proves it, because he'll go on to say that conversion therapy has included things like electroshock therapy and lobotomies, as though the subtle implication is that those things actually comprise what conversion therapy is properly, which of course it doesn't, right? These are things that were done way, way back in the 1800s and the early, early 1900s to try to help people who were mentally ill. Electroshock therapy was not just proper to 
conversion therapy, but really to many forms of therapy because people had the mistaken impression that it could actually help people. And the same thing with lobotomies. So there is this subtle implication that conversion therapy is this evil devil that's gonna cut your brains out and shock you, which of course is not what conversion therapy is at all. It would be way more helpful if he's gonna give a statistic like 700,000 people have gone through conversion therapy today. It'd be way more helpful if he actually said what conversion therapy actually is today rather than taking some 200s year old practice. By the way, we used to put leeches on people to try to bloodlet them to cure them of all sorts of things. Well, you'll feel a lot better after a good bleeding. But <laughs> I'm bleeding already. We don't do that anymore. Uh, so conversion therapy is none of those things. So it's not any attempt to try to alter someone's uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. It just isn't. So already we're hearing things that at the very least seem dishonest. Uh, so it's important to kind of point that out because we're going to operate on that definition of conversion therapy uh, throughout the remainder of this video to try to paint it as some evil devil when conversion therapy could be as simple as a pastor sitting down with an individual that's saying that they have same-sex attraction and they don't know what to do about it and they want to try to find help so that they can overcome that same-sex attraction. And then the pastor could simply say this, well, we do believe that the Bible teaches against homosexuality and I want to show you some passages about that and then we can discuss it. And that would be conversion therapy. Uh, but yet we're supposed to believe that that Christians around the world are shocking people and uh, torturing them uh, because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, which is obviously not true. But let's go on to the next claim because I think you'll find that overly broad definition uh, also goes along with some overly broad statistics. A recent study found that LGBTQ who experience conversion therapy are nearly twice as likely to attempt suicide than those otherwise. All right, so there's that statistic by the Williams Institute that he gives, which was done in 2015. So it's a kind of an old statistic, by the way. Uh, but suffice to say, the Williams Institute is a research group at, uh, out of UCLA. And I looked at the study myself. And they, the problem with it is that they give zero differentiation between people who are committing suicide specifically because of conversion therapy or rather because the people in that group that they're studying are more likely to commit suicide, specifically this. Transgender people have been well-researched as being a very uh, a high level of suicide ideation within that group of people. In fact, after conversion is the most likely time, seven to 10 years after conversion is the most likely time for transgender people to actually commit suicide or to have suicidal ideation. So this is a group of people who are already more prone to suicidal ideation, maybe because they're struggling with gender dysphoria or they're struggling with the social pressures that have been placed upon them by their peer group or whatever the case may be. But there is no differentiation between people who were already suicidal and had suicidal ideation and those who have it because they went through conversion therapy. So the obvious implication and the flat out lie here is that conversion therapy makes people want to commit suicide. It's just not true. Uh, this is a group of people, like I already said, who are already prone to that kind of thing. So this is why we have to be careful when we hear this kind of stuff and when statistics are just glibly thrown up on the screen for us without really any clarity as to what those statistics actually say. This is the same problem, by the way, with places like the Trevor Project, who wish to misrepresent their data to prove what they're trying to get after uh, at the end of, of, their, of their research. 
so basically it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They wanted to say something, therefore they will bend the statistics to say whatever they can, uh, to, to say whatever they wanted to say. All right, let's keep on moving on because it doesn't stop there. Let's listen to some of the people that uh, Padilla now interviews who have undergone conversion therapy. Can you explain what conversion therapy is in general? Anyone, it could be a therapist, a pastor, a life coach, or a friend who tries to change your sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. Did you, did you just catch that? A life coach or a friend. I mean, this goes back to the point that I already tried to make, that they're being overly broad in their definition of what conversion therapy actually is. He just got done saying that a pastor could do it, a therapist could do it, and even a friend. So now, <laughs> this is why 700,000 people apparently have gone through conversion therapy, because even a friend suggesting, are you sure you're gay, is now conversion therapy. Like, that's at least to say very, very troubling. Uh, but let's, let's continue to listen to these guys who went through conversion therapy and just let's, let's hear their story and give it a fair shake. I didn't call it conversion therapy. There's a lot of terms out there. Right. A lot of these therapists don't say, hey, come over here, we're doing conversion therapy. The name is misleading in and of itself. It's not therapy. You can say it's torture, you can say it's abuse. I mean, you're really destroying people's lives. Historically, yeah, you hear about electric shock therapy and other really aggressive forms of aversion therapy. Mm -hmm. There's less of that today. Uh, most of it is talk therapy mm -hmm. and no one should think that's any less damaging. I mean, these are the guys, these are the kind of people that say words are violence. Bro, it is not torture it is not abuse to suggest to somebody that perhaps they might be dealing with something that can be solved, that there may be an answer to, to something that they hadn't considered before. Just, just not torture. It's actually called thinking. And the fact that so many people put up so many walls the moment you try to help people think about things is really, really telling. And this is why, the, the house of cards that is specifically the transgenderism um, uh, community today is, is so afraid of actually having conversations with people about, about their beliefs. And so we are supposed to accept at face value that a child that is two years old or three years old can start identifying what gender they actually are. And, and, and we're not allowed to push back against that at all without immediately being called a bigot. So forgive me if I don't believe that these people were actually literally tortured just because they were given alternate information. I, I'm gonna dig into this in a little bit, but it is not ben benevolent, it is not loving, it is not caring, and most of all, it is not true to help people continue in deception. There's nothing loving about that whatsoever. Now, you may disagree about what deception actually is, but if you are genuinely trying to help somebody who is struggling with something that may not be healthy for them, well, I go back to wolf person, to suggest that there, that there actually may be some help for that and that you don't have to go through the torture of really not understanding who you are and this identity crisis that you're struggling with. Like it is, it is not loving to, to refuse to say that to people. In fact, the opposite is just true. And this is why I'm even doing this video, man, is that we are just desperately attempting to redefine love in our generation in a way that does not look like love in generations past. Um, lying to people is not loving to people, I guess is, is what I would say. But uh, uh, I hate to keep on stopping so quick, so let's listen to a little more. This video has a lot 
of ads, a lot of ads. Can you recall the events that led up to your experience with conversion therapy? When I was in high school, I was definitely realizing that I was different from other kids. I thought myself attracted to, to guys when everyone else was attracted to girls. I met another guy on campus who was also identifying as a Christian, and he challenged me with this question of, what does God really want for your life? That moment led me to being a part of his church, where I pretty much gave up everything in pursuit of trying to remain heterosexual or become heterosexual um, under the threat of not making it to heaven. And so that began the process of, at first it was, we'll stay living in the church in the basement. It, it was dark and there was an open sewer. So the space that I was in was very cult-like or, or maybe it could be considered a cult under the guise of we care about you. Okay, so it's absolutely possible, by the way, that this guy was a part of a cult. And so I don't understand why we're including this cult-like behavior in what conversion therapy actually is. So this is a clear attempt to try to misrepresent conversion therapy yet again. So it's very possible that this guy got with a bunch of weirdos and they have these weird beliefs and they perhaps um, tried to convert him from his sexual identity or, ge or gender identity or sexual orientation. And be because of their weirdness, putting him in a basement and all that stuff, uh, that he calls that conversion therapy when actually this is just really cult-like behavior. This is a problem again with not having actual experts and just doing eyewitness testimony where, by the way, the guy could have just been remembering things incorrectly or remembering things with a little bit of a perspective on it that he wishes to try to present to us now. And so it's possible that he was part of a cult, but it's also possible that he's misrepresenting what he actually experienced, maybe because he doesn't remember it clearly or because he wants to give something to Anthony Padilla to talk about and he wants to make it a little bit more salacious than it actually was. We'll see that here in just a moment. I'll show you a clip of a guy who, right now, who says that uh, they were asking about his penis size. Remember them talking about how much I did, um, if I watched pornography, um, even my penis size. So look, it's clear that that's not conversion therapy. But it's also not clear whether or not that actually happened because if that was from a person who is a licensed counselor, then yeah, they shouldn't have been asking that question. All right, so the, the real question throughout all of these testimonies is just this, this simple idea. Should we take eyewitness testimony as gospel or should we make room for people who might be remembering things incorrectly or have selective memory or maybe just have a reason because they're angry at these people because they didn't give them something they wanted or whatever. They're disgruntled for one reason or another, but they're not actually representing what took place accurately. So one of those two things is possible, but suffice to say the one thing underneath it is that we're still not getting to the truth of what conversion therapy is. We're just getting these individuals very surface and tertiary and kind of like on the extremes uh, uh, fringes of conversion therapy. Um, all right, just a little bit more. To bring awareness to Born Perfect, an organization that was actually founded by Matthew, who is in this video, that's dedicated to spreading awareness and empowering conversion therapy survivors with the mission to draft, introduce, and pass legislation to end conversion therapy practices once and for all. I'd actually like to take a moment too and just step out there and say this. If you're experiencing 
a crisis of faith, or maybe an identity crisis, you are uncertain about your sexual orientation or your gender identity, maybe you're having suicidal ideation and you're not quite sure what to do about it, there's a great organization called Focus on the Family and they have a 24-hour hotline where, and I'll put that number up on the screen now, where you can call them and you can get the help from a licensed therapist that, that you so desperately need. You don't have to lean upon videos like we're seeing today to try to find answers to the soul's to the soul's needs that are going on right now. You can find experts that will truly help you point to something that is bigger and stronger than whatever you may be experiencing now. So I highly encourage you at least to just check them out and see how they can help you. And there are all these people who seem so invested in you, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, but I'm so bad. And they're like, oh, but we're going to help you. Cut off more and more parts of my life. Cut off parts of my life. That. That may not be conversion therapy. I think that sounds like the trans community because they're definitely cutting off parts of people's life. After spending the day with these incredibly resilient conversion therapy survivors, I've come to understand just how much religious and societal pressures can really have such a massive detrimental effect on one's entire sense of self. These survivors deserve the utmost respect as they advocate against these practices in order to protect others who may fall victim to similar situations. All right, so I wanted to end there because it talks about societal pressure and religious pressure. And I'm glad he brings that up because there is a lot of pressure on people today to conform to an idea. And it's this idea that there is no higher authority than the self. There is no higher authority than your feelings. Well, where does that idea come from? Where does the idea that we don't need an ontic referent or something that possesses a higher authority to derive truth and reality rather than our feelings? So without that higher authority, then, then who is the person that is allowed to, to arbitrate truth? Well, of course, then, then that becomes you. And, and feelings rather than truth then will guide and govern your life. And ultimately, that's just a recipe for disaster. It implies that truth is purely subjective and doesn't actually exist outside of your feelings. Now that's clearly a postmodern problem, but here's the biggest problem that we see in this film throughout everything that's done when you take postmodernism, when you take subjectivism and moral relativism and what I would call radical subjectivity to its ultimate conclusion, is, is that it gives you a false impression of who you are. Now, maybe an example here. Why is it that, that people who are gay say, I am gay, rather than I am experiencing same-sex attraction or gay attraction? Why do they say, I am gay? Because when your feelings are the ultimate authority and you do not derive authority from anything bigger or greater or longer in terms of historical understanding and importance, when you don't allow those things to weigh in on your understanding of self, ultimately, your identity will become your feelings. So whatever you feel will become who you are. And by the way, a whole generation of people is being brought up to believe that you are what you feel and that you should be given special privileges based upon how you feel. Um, I have to tell you, your feelings don't hold as much epistemic weight as you think they do. They do not hold any weight if they do not correspond to reality. But this is the attempt of postmodernism to suggest that your truth and your reality is 
based upon whatever you feel in the moment. You don't have to justify it with real facts. You don't have to back it up with experts. You don't have to back it up with thousands of years of wisdom that should sow in to each and every one of our lives and at least be considered. No, we get to dismiss Christianity as just some bigoted religion that has a belief system that might actually be true. All the while, this ideology of postmodernism and subjective truth is undergirding so much of what we see in society today. You know, we hear supporters of BLM come along and they say, uh, you know, racism is so rare that I, that I can't prove it by and large, so we'll change the game, we'll start talking about systemic racism, because it's an unfalsifiable, it's an unfalsifiable statement. You know, systems of racism rather than like people who are actually being racist. We're told by the trans community that somehow you had the misfortune of being born in the wrong body. And that's totally unfalsifiable. Like, how do we know if you were born in the wrong body? You can't, and that's, that's the point. And that's what we see throughout this, is that we're gonna change our language. We're gonna change our pronoun usage. We're gonna change all of reality and what is true based upon the way people feel. So what I'm saying is this, is that when you don't care about the truth, the authority of your feelings means everything. But unfortunately, reality isn't that way. Your preferences don't mean what, what you think they do. We're talking about life here, not Burger King. We're talking about reality and the best person suited to describe that reality. So forgive me if I go with the wonky belief that, that God is a way better fit than, than Anthony Padilla is. I mean, after all, the guy doesn't even know how to button a shirt. In fact, I wore this shirt so that he could see that there is a way that you can button your shirt. It, it does work, after all. So at the end of the day, here's what I would hope you would take away from this video. Two things. One, that we need to be careful of postmodern ideology seeping through so many of what we see in, in our modern day. And if anything suggests to be the truth, but merely be based upon feelings, that we will reject it. And that feelings, and this is the second thing, that feelings don't offer the right kind of authority for us to really base our beliefs around it. And so what we're left with is thoughtful and meaningful, rational conversation. And if those conversations don't meet the very, very, you know, low bar of rationality, then those conversations should be dismissed regardless of how they make us feel or regardless of, of what it means to us, the, the implications of that, what we must do away with. So forgive me if I believe that God is a little bit better at defining reality, he did make it after all, than we are, and that we may have to start listening to him a little bit more than we listen to how we feel. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.